Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. When you when you get four wins in a row, it's pretty fun. But when you get that fifth win in a row in South Beach against the Heat, it makes a streak even better. On how the Grizzlies got their fifth win in a row via expected and unexpected sources, Stephen Adams finding his groove and a little bit less bad luck and some good health are finally helping the Grizzlies defense reach its potential. That and much more on this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Hey. Let's go. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome once again to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having an outstanding start to your Tuesday. Of course, the Grizzlies last night in South Beach, they get their fifth win in a row. We'll get into all that plus some other fun stuff in this edition of the show. You can find myself at StatsSAC, the show at Locked On Grizz. My name is Sean Coleman, credentialed media member with the Grizzlies. I've been covering the Grizzlies now for four years. Write about them over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Your host here at Locked On Grizzlies, your Grizzlies every day. Of course, we want to remind you, you can find the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. Wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, that's where we will be. Listen, review, subscribe. Also, right here on YouTube, hit that subscribe button below. Let's us know you enjoy the show. Let's others be able to find the show and just in general makes the show the best experience it can be for everyone involved. I want to also remind you of the title sponsor for today's show, Truebill. Those unwanted free ads, those free signups that you do online or wherever else that are free but un- un- unfortunately turn into you know opportunities for businesses to take money from you, Truebill is a great way for you to be able to, con- to control that from happening. Make sure you check out Truebill today. So the Grizzlies, they go on the road after a big win in Dallas on Saturday night. The Grizzlies were able to get their fourth win in the row. The story of the night for the Grizzlies on Saturday night was allowing for Desmond Bain to get a bit of revenge against the Dallas Mavericks for passing over him in the 2020 draft. A career high in points, career high in rebounds. Of course, the fun activities that happened in the postgame press conference, nothing negative. Just Desmond Bain, again, coming into his own as a player and as a personality and just making it known as to why he had a little bit of extra motivation for the Grizzlies to be able to get a big win, not only for them, but also the division, also the Western Conference standings. Well, while Desmond Bain certainly had a reason to look for revenge on Saturday night, the Grizzlies as a whole had plenty of reason to look for revenge when it came to visiting Miami and South Beach on Monday night. Of course, it was the game against Miami, the sixth game of the season for the Grizzlies um, to end October, where they were defeated 129-103. And I know there have been several games where the Grizzlies have lost by 20 or more points, but that was one of the more sound defeats that the Grizzlies suffered this year. And the reason why was because they couldn't stop Jimmy Butler and they could not prevent the Heat from shooting threes. Well, coming into last night's game, the news was good for Miami because they were giving getting Jim, Jimmy Butler back. And though they did not have Bam Adebayo, they also were coming into the game having shot the three uh, much better as of late than when they played the Grizzlies 
a little over a month ago. So it certainly seemed like it was going to be a tougher test for this Grizzlies team facing a Heat team that was playing very well despite being without Jimmy Butler. Yes, you could say that they were treading water, but the Heat were actually playing at a level they were improving in areas where they needed to improve. So once they got Jimmy Butler back, they could really take off in terms of their success. And that was what was awaiting the Grizzlies last night. But the thing is, is that the Grizzlies once again dug in and they were the team with control from the beginning. Another wire-to-wire victory, getting out to as much as an 18-point lead, I believe, yeah, in the first quarter, though the Heat would come back. You know, it was typical from what we saw in the Raptors game and also against the Mavericks, you know, last um, Saturday night, is that the Grizzlies got off to a big lead, but they controlled that lead despite the Heat trying to make comebacks. The Heat did find, you know, Tyler Hero obviously had another outstanding game, much like Tim Hardaway Jr. on Saturday night for the Mavericks. Tyler Hero did just enough to be able to keep the heat in the game, but it was the Grizzlies who were showing the better team effort. The story of last night was the Grizzlies starting lineup, and that's what was going to be needed with how well the Heat's bench had been performing as late. I talked about it on yesterday's preview of the game. I talked about how one area where the Grizzlies were going to have to find a way to keep the Heat from getting huge advantages was when Tyler Hero and the Heat's bench, as well as the Heat's reserves had been shooting the three, the Grizzlies were going to have to find a way to either dominate when their starters were in or find some way to manage to where the Heat didn't get a huge advantage when the bench units were in. And for the Grizzlies, the key to it was they were able to be able to dominate with their starters. That's exactly what occurred. Desmond Bain, over 20 points once again on the night. Jaron Jackson Jr., another solid performance. He, he wasn't needed to be the true difference maker. But Dylan Brooks, 20-plus points, 8-plus assists, 2-plus steals. Only the second time in his career he did exactly that. And that was the first unexpected source. Listen, we've come to expect with Desmond Bain that, you know, you're going to get those 20 points tonight. You may not get it every night, but, you know, 20 points for him last night overall. But the other big thing was was that even though Jaron Jackson Jr. did not have a lot of involvement himself, it was Dylan Brooks who was the second one to come through with 21 points of his own. So you've got 42 combined points from Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks. That's expected. You expect with Jaw out, you're probably going to get 40-plus points out of Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Dylan Brooks. A duo out of those three, every night with Jaw out, is probably going to get you the 20-plus points. But the key was, was that even though Dylan was 8 from 21 from the field, he found a way to add value on offense by give, by creating 8 assists. Again, only the second time in his career he had 8 assists in a game. And every one of them were needed in this game to help the Grizzlies control the lead. So yes, Dylan had another night. Probably shot a few more shots than many of us would have liked, but he made up for it by being able to find ways to be able to make passes, create opportunities that did not seem to be there against a very tough defense. When you play a tough defense like Miami, especially a tough half-court defense like Miami, one of the ways to beat them is for an unexpected source of assist, an unexpected source of playmaking to step up. And that's exactly what Dylan Brooks did, and it made all the difference in the world in the game. That's how outstanding his performance was last night, even if it may not seem like it in the box score. The other thing that Dylan Brooks did 
was that he was able to hold or play a big role in holding Jimmy Butler to 4 of 13 from the field. As I had mentioned, the Grizzlies going into last night's game, they couldn't afford to let Jimmy Butler be a highly effective scorer himself while also giving up a lot of threes. And what did the Grizzlies do? They shut down both of those things. Jimmy Butler only 4 of 13 from the field. I believe that he got a little bit banged up in his return from injury. Um, yes, they certainly hope he's all right. But the Grizzlies also held the Heat to 6 of 22 from three. Though Tyler Hero had his game. Basically what the Grizzlies said were this, was that we're going to let Hero be the hero. We're going to let him do what he does, but we're not going to let anybody else step up and have a good game. And nobody else really did. And that's what helped the Grizzlies be able to not only take the lead, but control it as well. And a big reason why was Desmond Bain once again scoring 20 points, but Dylan Brooks not only being a secondary scorer, but a primary playmaker and also the primary stopper on defense. An overall very, very good game. Coach Taylor Jenkins said after the game, he felt it was one of the best games he had seen Dylan Brooks play in his career under Taylor Jenkins because of the fact that Dylan Brooks was able to show his playmaking chops. And the thing is, this is now the 14th time that Dylan Brooks has had five or more assists in the game. Eight of those games have happened in the 2021 calendar year. So while it's not frequent, it's happening more often, Dylan the Playmaker is certainly a very, very good sight to see and could be another added benefit for this offense. But despite Desmond Bain, despite the defense, and despite Dylan Brooks stepping up, the other big revelation, and a very, very needed one, and a great one to see, is Steven Adams for the second straight game having a significant impact on the Grizzlies, both on offense and defense. And it is a reminder that, yes, while the Grizzlies have certainly had a great stretch here over the past few games, it's a reminder that though it did take a while for them to get going, that may have actually been a benefit in disguise. I'll explain in just a moment, especially when it comes to Steven Adams. But of course, I want to remind you of our sponsor of today's show, Truebill. Listen, we all have these apps. We all love online offers, what have you, that offer free trials. But it's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save about a $720 a year with Truebill. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It can literally save you thousands per year. Other thing I can tell you about is that, uh, you know, while free subscriptions turning into potential charges could be a small source of stress, in general, you don't want to let stress of daily life weigh on your body. And whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to get through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically collaborated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't feel just feel good. It goes to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. On tomorrow's Locked On Grizzlies podcast, we will once again 
preview the Grizzlies game against the Dallas Mavericks. For the second time in less than five days, the Grizzlies will be playing a big divisional matchup, a sixth straight win in the row. We'll explain how huge that will be in really cementing the Grizzlies into a very favorable place throughout the rest of December and heading into the new year. Plus, 250 games into Dylan Brooks' career, how he is standing out among other Grizzlies in franchise history. We'll look at that and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So the Grizzlies have now won five games in a row. Over that stretch, they have been a top five offense in the NBA, and they've been a top five defense. Now let's qualify this, as Nick Angstad and myself did a little bit on uh, yesterday's episode of Locked on NBA. Yes, the Grizzlies have played, you know, they haven't played necessarily a murderer's row when it comes to the NBA. They've played some teams that they were supposed to beat, especially when you consider several of those teams were without significant talents. Now, the Grizzlies themselves were out without significant talents as well, but this was an opportunity for the Grizzlies to show that they were the better teams in many of these games, and that's exactly what they have done. But something else that stands out to me is this, is that this, and I talked with it about Matt Hurtlicka a bit yesterday when I on, on the podcast that I shared with him. We talked a bit about, it's hard to remember that this Grizzlies team right now is a bottom five, or excuse me, is one of the five youngest teams in the NBA. And you know, I talked about it yesterday. I talked about how last year when the Grizzlies had a stretch like they're having right now, it was due to the play of Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Anderson, Grayson Allen, players who were closer to their prime and who were having career years, at least at the time. And that this year, it's a bit better because the career years, the great starts, the overall higher level of plays in more featured roles are coming from a Desmond Bain, from a Jaron Jackson Jr., and others. Players that not only are to help now, but to also are going to be a big part of the future. But the other thing that really stands out to me is that it also shows that the logical thing, and though many of us may not have you know, acknowledged it, is that it also shows that the Grizzlies simply needed an adjustment period for the start of this season. And it makes sense. It took a month to five weeks for the Grizzlies to really find their groove. I mean, think about it. You had Jaron coming back from injury, wanting to get into the groove of playing 25 to 30 minutes a night. That was going to take an adjustment. You had Kyle Anderson, who was no longer a starter, adjusting back to the bench. That was going to be an adjustment. Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton being in more featured roles, an adjustment. Steven Adams being with the new team, the team learning him, the team, uh, Steven Adams learning the team, that was going to be an adjustment. The team playing without their emotional leader in Dylan Brooks for much of the start of the season. And then once he came back, him figuring out how to be able to play his role with a more featured Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson healthy and without Ja, that was going to take an adjustment period. And so that's the thing that stands out, is that, yes, while the Grizzlies have certainly had high highs and low lows, there's been a lot of inexplicable struggles. The defense struggling like it did certainly was frustrating to see. I think at the end, they, this doesn't explain everything. Yes, the Grizzlies certainly could have played better, but I think it was simply adjustments. That, that's, that's one thing that stands out. It took time for a very young team, for many of the players on the roster to adjust to new roles, many of the players on the roster to adjust to how to play without reliable sources that they had in Dylan Brooks and, and not having Jonas and not having Grayson and getting adjusted to new players like Steven Adams. But it's not just the younger players that had to adjust. 
Stephen Adams likely had to adjust as well. He needed to acclimate himself to the strengths of his teammates and also figure out where exactly I fit in the offensive scheme of things. It seemed like that one way he could fit would be as a facilitator, and he continues to do that from time to time. But over the past two games, we're really starting to see that the acclimation period and the adjustment period are starting to pay off. For the last two games, in, in big moments against Dallas in Dallas and Miami in South Beach, Stephen Adams had a double-double. It was the first time that he had had back-to-back double-doubles since March of 2021. Only the fourth time this calendar year, Stephen Adams has had back-to-back double-doubles. But the thing about it is, is that those uh, that adjustment period I talk about, that acclimation period I talk about, it shows in the fact that Stephen Adams is doing it in different ways. I've mentioned it. Many around the Memphis media have mentioned it. The great thing about Stephen Adams is that he can get offensive rebounds just like Jonas Valanciunas, or among the best in the NBA, Stephen Adams arguably is the best offensive rebounder in the NBA this year. The issue is, is that it seemed at times as if when it just made sense to put the shot back up for a high percentage look at two or to get to the free throw line, Stephen Adams would pass back out and be a bit frustrating. For a man his size, being able to put the ball up into the basket after getting an offensive rebound, being so close to the rim, it, it just wasn't happening as often as we think it should have and as often as many of us have been you know, used to seeing with Jonas Valanciunas. But on Saturday night, that's exactly what he did. Steven Adams was able to make a key difference by getting offensive rebounds and putting them back in the basket. But last night, it wasn't that. It was Steven Adams playing his role in the half-court offense and making the most of it by getting good shot after good shot, clean look at the basket after clean look at the basket. The Miami Heat last night, going into the game last night, the Miami Heat were the top team in the NBA in terms of guarding two-point shots. They gave up the lowest opponent's two-point field goal percentage in the league. A big reason why that was was because of Bam Adebayo, who Miami did not have. But the thing that the Grizzlies were able to do is that they were able to show their resourcefulness getting into the paint. It wasn't just Dylan driving or Bain driving. It was them being able to, when that was taken away from them, especially with Dylan, when that was taken away from them, they were able to dish down low to Stephen Adams, who adjusted, who got out of the way of the rim, found a soft spot in the dunker spot on the baseline, and was there for an easy pass to get plenty of clean looks at the basket. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you hardly ever saw that. So that's what stands out about Stephen Adams and the fact that he is just the latest example of a logical acclimation and adjustment period that the Grizzlies were going through. Now that Stephen Adams is used to playing with his teammates, you can see the chemistry building, much like the chemistry built in the past between Jonas and his teammates. That chemistry is starting to build between Stephen Adams and his teammates, and you're now seeing the full breadth of what Stephen Adams can offer. It's not just the fact that he's you know, one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. Now the only offensive rebounder who has had eight offensive rebounds in three different games in the NBA, also up there among the lead leaders in offensive rebounds as a whole, but now he's becoming a true scoring threat playing off the drives of the perimeter players of the Grizzlies and being able to find easy ways to get baskets. Not only that, but also the putbacks through the offensive rebounds.
So Stephen Adams, much like Tyus Jones, is a veteran who is finding his groove and stepping up and delivering. And of course, you want to say that with Jaw being out, he also is someone that just realized there was no other choice. He had to step his game up. But I really do think he's yet another example of the fact that once the Grizzlies got past the past month or got past the first month, five weeks of the season, where everybody was trying to adjust to new roles, trying to adjust to each other, the team was waiting for it to have its complete team together. Once they got about 20 games in and they really started learning more about each other, chemistry really started to develop between this team, you're seeing it pay off because night in and night out, this Grizzlies team is having some uh, is having someone different step up in a supporting role, but they're consistently doing it as well. And Steven Adams having his two best games in a Grizzlies uniform and now truly seeming like, despite just being a rebounding force, he could be both a scoring force and plus his defense is getting better as well. An overall better and more effective Stephen Adams seems like it could certainly be in place moving forward, and that is a great development to complement Jaron and the rest of the Grizzlies as we head on into the season. So a great development by Stephen Adams, playing his best basketball over the past two games for the Grizzlies this season. A lot of it had to do with just taking time for him to adjust, but also overall the Grizzlies continuing to be resourceful and expanding on what's known about a player and making more of him once he gets acclimated to the team. Steven Adams rebounding has always be there, been there. Now his improved defense and his overall resourcefulness as a scoring option has certainly stepped up as well, and it's doing it at a great time. But along with the Grizzlies, now getting past their adjustment period and game in and game out, having someone else step up to support Bain, Dylan, and Jaron, the Grizzlies' defense also obviously is finding its groove. Yes, without a doubt, one of the big reasons why is because of the schedule that they're playing. But the other thing that stands out is a little bit less bad luck and some good health are finally making their impact for the Grizzlies on defensive end as well. I'll explain that in just a moment. But the other thing that I want to discuss with you is that while Dylan Brooks being back and Steven Adams' improved play were a boost last night, what about Boost Mobile? That's correct. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch so you can get limited, so you can get the latest episodes of your podcast. All in America's largest, but all in one America's largest. 5G networks, more power to save, Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers, coverages, not available everywhere for all phones, networks. See BoostMobile.com for results, for details. So obviously tomorrow on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, we're going to discuss another critical game for the Grizzlies against the Dallas Mavericks. How a win will really put the Grizzlies in a favorable place moving forward into the next year. And also looking at Dylan Brooks, 250 games into his career, how he's really setting himself apart as being one of the most accomplished Grizzlies in franchise history. But of course, we talked about the Grizzlies against Dallas. It was Desmond Bain having a great night. Tyus Jones supporting him. Last night, Desmond Bain having another great night. Dylan's all-around game supporting him. Steven Adams stepping up. Especially on offense, the Grizzlies are consistently finding different sources that are going to step up to support each other to get the job done. But defensively, 
is really where the key improvements have happened. That's where the Grizzlies have made the big impact, the big change to be able to get these five wins in a row and play at the level that they're playing. Being able to create turnovers, defensive activity. Last night, the Grizzlies were excellent in the lane, making their hands active, getting their hands on passes, deflecting shots, getting blocks, making it hard for the Heat to get into a rhythm early on. All those things made a key difference as to why the Heat really struggled last night on offense. But a couple of key statistics that I think are really helping the Grizzlies rely on the fact that the Grizzlies are finally running into some positive regression. They're finally looking at a stretch where less bad luck is impacting them. And also, the simple return of Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies having their two best defenders play with each other is making all the difference in the world. For one, before November, uh, up until November 14th, which would have been the Grizzlies' first 14 games of the year, on uncont- on, on wide-open three-point shots, Grizzlies' opponents were making 41.5% of their wide-open three-point shots. That was the second-highest total in the league. That's, that's how unlucky the Grizzlies were. Their opponents were the second best in the league at making wide-open three-point shots. And the thing is, is that that was just a bit of unluck. Shots were falling at an unexpectedly high rate against the Grizzlies, and they were making the Grizzlies' defense look worse than it actually was, to be honest. Well, thankfully, since November 16th, or at least over the Grizzlies' past 10 games, they now are 25th in terms of opponents hitting wide-open three-point shots. In the Grizzlies' first 14 games, opponents were hitting 41.5% of their wide-open threes. Over the past 10 games, Grizzlies' opponents are hitting 35.5% of their wide-open threes. That's a significant drop-off and an expected one when it comes to positive regression. Yes, the Grizzlies certainly did struggle defensively, but the fact that they were running into opponents consistently hitting high percentage threes or, or a high percentage of their threes didn't help matters at all. Well, now things have kind of fallen off a bit as it was expected. That shot variance is starting to normalize, as Matt Hurdlicka and others had mentioned, and that really has helped the Grizzlies' calls in terms of being able to know that luck is a bit on their side more than it was to go along with better efforts. But speaking of better efforts, it's simply the return of Dylan Brooks and getting him back to couple with the overall improvements and consistency of Jaron Jackson Jr. Because with Dylan now in place on the perimeter, you've got him guarding the opposition's primary scoring threat on the perimeter. That allows everybody else to fall in place with the knowledge that they also have Jaron Jackson Jr. being there to deter activity in the paint, being there to protect the rim. Overall, being someone that down low on the second unit of the defense will be doing his job. With Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the court together in terms of half-court defense, in 447 possessions this year, the Grizzlies are allowing opponents to score 95.4 points per 100 possessions. That's in the 99th percentile of all defensive lineups. In other words, When the Grizzlies have Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the court together this year, defensively, they become one of the best half-court defenses in the NBA. Numbers show that. That's how good they become. One of the best half-court defenses in the NBA. 
But while with Dylan and Jaron, they're in the 99th percentile on half-court defense. When Jaron and Dylan are off, and this is over 731 possessions, the Grizzlies allow 121 points per 100 possessions on half-court defense. In other words, that second, that second percentile in the NBA. So while those numbers certainly are eye-opening, here's the simple truth. With Dylan and Jaron on the court, the Grizzlies have one of the best half-court defenses in the NBA. With both of them off the court, the Grizzlies have one of the absolute worst half-court defenses in the NBA. But that's the impact that those two players make. And the thing is, is that with both healthy, you know that they're going to be on the court together, or they should be most of the time, in high leverage and closing situations. But that's the impact of Dylan being backed. That's the impact of Jaron being healthy and continuing to improve. You've got a duo where Dylan takes care of the primary threat on the outside and overall helps set everybody else in their roles. And then you've got Jaron taking care of the inside towards the rim. And you've got two layers of leaders who effectively make everybody around them better when it comes to defense. The Grizzlies are getting better at stopping initial dribble drive opportunities from their opposition, and they're getting better at, you know, not allowing so many points to be scored in the paint, and that is making it to where they're not having to overhelp, and they can do a better job of guarding the three. But that just shows how NBA defenses work. Yes, it takes effort. Yes, it takes skill, but it also takes a bit of luck. And lo and behold, a very, very eye-opening development just a, a trailblazing, groundbreaking truth. It also helps to have your best defensive talents on the court. That's what matters. And it's making a difference for the Grizzlies. So I'm not sitting here saying that the Grizzlies all of a sudden are going to be a top five defense moving forward. But numbers do suggest that when Dylan and Jaron are on the court together, the Grizzlies have the potential to operate at that level. And now take that. Take the emergence of Bain. Take the improvement of Tyus and Steven Adams, all those different things. And consider the fact that this is all going on without Jaw. Throw Jaw back into the mix. Maybe you don't have people being as effective at times with Jaw being back in the mix, but you certainly have them being better than they are right now with Jaw in the mix as well. The whole point is this, is that with a little bit less bad luck and a little bit more health on their side, once the Grizzlies get Jaw back as well as they're playing now, there actually is another level or two up for this Grizzlies potential. And that's truly exciting with where the Grizzlies could find themselves if they can get a few more wins over the month of December against quality teams going into the new year. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about tomorrow. A game versus the Mavericks. If the Grizzlies can get a win against a Mavericks team in the FedEx Forum, the Mavericks will be on the road for the second night of a back-to-back, -back, if the Grizzlies can find themselves a sixth win in a row, how much better of a position they'll be in the Southwest Division and in the playoff race for the new year? What can they do to get that done against Dallas? And also looking at how Dylan Brooks is really separating himself among the most notable names in franchise history 250 games into his career. That and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. And make sure... 
After you make Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day, check out the Locked On NBA podcast as your second listen. Can't thank you enough for joining us. Make sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. You can find me at StatsSAC, the show at Locked On Grizz. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we will be. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope you have a great day. Hopefully, we'll continue to talk about another win for the Grizzlies later on this week after they face the Mavericks tomorrow night. Until then, we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast.